Welcome everyone to the Entertainment Buffet Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm your other host, Jessica Quaz. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we are we have made our way to episode 81. Uh, we mentioned a few episodes ago that Jess and I have given ourselves some uh, media viewing slash listening homework. And now we're going to go over that on episode 81 of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, are you ready, Jess, to, to dive deep into the things we assigned one another? I'm very ready. This is the best job I've ever done with homework in my whole <laughs> life. <laughs> I was not a good student, so this was a great, great time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely much easier homework to do when it's it's something that you can just sit down and do and not have to think a lot. Uh, it's like <laughs> or, a fun book report. Exactly. Um, better than some homework we got in film school, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, we didn't have to watch Citizen Kane, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty good. You know, you know, sure, I enjoyed Casablanca for what it was, but, you know, neither of our uh, shows or movies were like three and a half hour long with like black and white, <laughs> just asking you for to sleep when you're a college kid. So I take it that you liked your assignments then, it seems uh, like. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Um, but yeah, uh, so usually uh, to start off the podcast, Jess and I jump into like things uh, such as movies or shows or video games, things that we've been watching, we've been doing in the meantime. But this whole episode is going to be us talking about some things we've watched and listened to. So we're not gonna be doing that segment because that's kind of what this whole episode is about. Um, so let's do a quick rundown before we jump into each. Uh, Jess, uh, if you'd like to go over what you assigned me to watch slash listen to for the first time. Yes. So I assigned Brandon for television, the pilot of succession. For podcasts, I assigned him the podcast Getting Curious with Jonathan Vaness, specifically the episode entitled how do we stay healthy in the age of coronavirus and then for movies i assigned him the horror film don't breathe yes uh and then for the homework i gave jess i gave her the podcast uh that time i got arrested episode zero and one uh the opening episodes uh the movie i gave her a few good men that classic, one of my favorite films. And then for a TV show, I gave her the pilot to Amazon's original, The Boys. So um, yeah, just to specify, uh, when we give each other homework like this for uh, episodes like this, these are things that the other person have not seen or heard before. So this isn't just like, oh, I know I love this movie. I want you to see it again. This is, we've never seen it, never heard it. So uh, fresh first takes. You know, I was glad to take notes on things like this opposed to, as we were saying before, usual homework assignments. Yeah, and I feel like, so we've, this is our second time doing this. The first time around, I, I personally assigned you things that I know you would never watch. So I assigned <laughs> you Riverdale and I assigned you a Lady Gaga documentary. Um, and this time around, I assigned you things that I wanted you to watch that like I know you hadn't seen, but I'd been wanting you to see. So I think that was interesting to take this angle that made it, I don't know, I enjoyed it more this time around because like a few good men I've been wanting to see. And now I had a 
reason to see it. So yeah. I like doing this a little bit more. Not that I didn't enjoy watching wrestling. That was interesting. <laughs> I was going to say, is this just a <laughs> long-winded way of you saying, don't make me watch any more wrestling? No, it was very interesting. But I probably <laughs> never would have watched it if it wasn't assigned to me. <laughs> Yet you recently watched Fight With My Family and was one of your favorite sports movies from episode 80. That's true. <laughs> I really, really did like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so. But I really like Florence Pugh, so that might be why. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, right. Well, um, yeah, before we get started, guys, uh, if you are watching or listening to us here, please uh, like, subscribe, uh, whether it's on iTunes or uh, Spotify. If you're watching us on YouTube, please subscribe. Um, if you're catching us on YouTube, we have tons of entertainment and comedy related content coming to the channel. We're expanding, bringing a lot of collaborators and different people onto entertainment buffet so we'd love for you to not miss out uh some different voices some different shows uh in the works uh some from jess uh some from sketches uh that i'm making with other folks and other podcasts and or series coming to entertainment buffet so if you want to follow and not miss out on more stuff if you like this please, please check us out. You know, it's the same thing that all podcasts and shows ask you to do. Uh, just subscribe, share, let people know. Um, and as always, please reach out to us, uh, entertainmentbuffet at gmail.com uh, or on the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what are some topics that specifically on Jess and I's podcast you want to hear us talk about. Um, we're approaching up to episode 100 and we really want to get episodes out that you guys want us to talk about when it comes to topics. Yeah. And like Brandon said, the buffet of entertainment buffet is expanding. So, you know, get your serving. <laughs> yes. Please get your serving. <laughs> get your serving. Get plenty of seconds, plenty of, uh, yeah. plenty of helpings to go around. Um, when it comes to entertainment and comedy related content. So um, yeah, Jess, let's, let's go ahead and jump in uh, for our media viewing slash listening homework. Um, I really want to hear your thoughts. Uh, we're going to start with the TV show pilots we gave each other. What were your thoughts on the Amazon show, The Boys, which for those who didn't know, that is a superhero related show that is adapted from a graphic novel. Jess, I'm excited. How did you like The Boys? Did you keep watching? So I really, really, really liked The Boys. And yes, <laughs> I did keep watching. I only have two more episodes left of oh, The Oh, hell season. yeah. <laughs> I, I went through it. I So here's the thing. I didn't know anything about the boys i'd seen like a trailer for it i knew it was like superhero and i knew it was like different um but what i was expecting was something along the lines of like watchmen or umbrella academy where it's like you know they're superheroes but they're complex this is not that it is but it isn't these heroes are anti-heroes which i think is really interesting that our superheroes are sort of almost the villains because they are truly <laughs> despicable, awful humans, like yes. truly awful. And I think that's really cool. Like we've never seen superheroes that you hate because they're awful and that the actual heroes of the show are just regular human beings. Like that is so cool. Um, I, that's not been done before in this genre. So I just really, really, really liked it for that reason alone. Um, 
I will say too that the world it's built in is so interesting to watch just being a part of it is really really cool how it's our world but this like hyper realistic version um so like it's hard to explain without having seen it but basically like this conglomeration of superheroes so um for those of you who've never seen it uh it follows this this group called the seven they're like top dog superheroes big 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 deal and <laughs> not only do they like go out and fight crime but they have their own like tv shows and movies and like so it's like this big like corporation that's just like taken over the world um they also have like reality competition shows to see who could be like in the seven um so that was like really interesting to see superheroes being commodified as like this big business like i thought that was really cool and that's something we don't really see either usually like superheroes like just get out there and save the day whereas this is like go make us money instead <laughs> super interesting um i just i love this weird world where they're it's like it's and it's almost comparable to our world how like our heroes could be evil like our leaders could have these like secrets that we don't know about um so i just yeah i found it all very fascinating i was sucked in um and i also will say i love that the seven is basically just like these great rip-offs of other comic book heroes like <laughs> yeah in such a like a cheeky way like um homelander or yeah wait, what was it? yeah homelander is like captain america literally yeah <laughs> and also like superman <laughs> yeah like i just love the name like homelander um and i love deep is basically just aquaman it's like they're basically just knockoffs of these other superheroes that we're so used to seeing but they're done in such a funny way um so i love that like sort of parody of it and it was okay here we go we're gonna sidebar here for a second oh boy um i will admit uh i watched gossip girl in the early aughts because i was <laughs> of age to do so um <laughs> i like how this is like a confession it's it is a confession because it's a terrible show it's <laughs> and i would like to think my standards are better but <laughs> it had great outfits and campy drama and i watch riverdale so like i was in it's my thing it's in my thing um Chase Crawford, who was notoriously Nate on Gossip Girl, plays Deep, and he is so, like, interesting to watch in that character because he's always been known as, like, the pretty boy. Um, that's, like, what he is. His characters are essentially pretty boy with, like, no depth. Like, it, it, Nate and Gossip he's Girl. He's not deep at all. He's not deep at all, <laughs> at all. So it's really fun to watch him play deep, who's also a, a dumb pretty boy, but he also <laughs> is evil and despicable and awful and like has more layers to him than just being like the pretty boy. And I think that that's really fun too, to see um, them sort of take Chase Crawford's like typical casting and like flip it on its head like yes he's the dumb pretty boy but he also sucks like he's a bad person um so I thought that was cool and I will say too the pilot's ending was such a good cliffhanger that I immediately wanted to see where it goes and that's why I like I jumped into the second episode right afterwards so yeah overall like I don't have any bad things to say about it I think it's really fascinating um 
I really, really enjoyed it. Like I, I'm in, I'm into it. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny how like, I, I feel like a lot of people, unless you were diehard fans of the graphic novel, I feel like a lot of us didn't really know about the boys. Um, I remember all of a sudden it came out and a bunch of people were saying it was good. And uh, I was, yeah, yeah, I'll eventually take a look. A month so after the episodes kind of finished, I, I, I took a look and I was like, holy shit, I'm hooked. I loved it because I have always been a notorious fan of X-Men. Um, I love the aspect of a team, um, but like the, the story is flipped in a sense where um, humans are kind of assholes to superheroes whereas in this show the superheroes are the assholes and like you said before we're rooting for this team of humans of regular guys going after the seven and i thought that this show also handled it so well that i was like i believe all of this (laughs) i believe that if uh you know, Henry Cavill was actually Superman. Like if a guy had those powers and looked like that, there's no way he would just be good, you know, that he wouldn't make money off of it or be egotistical, narcissistic, because he's like a god among humans and it would totally go to his head. Um, uh, the, the show covers a lot of deep and dark subjects um in regards to um you know one of the like you said the heroes are competing to be on the show um there's some accidental deaths that they try to you know like sweep under the rug with ndas there's sexual harassment storylines there's uh lies there's corruption you know there's all this shit that i'm like oh my god the world that we live in like this would be if superheroes were to actually happen or if all of a sudden if a bunch of humans started getting powers like within the next 10 to 20 years, it would spin into a way for companies to make a profit where you would see like a flash guy uh, instead of just running around saving people, he would probably be doing ads for like an energy drink, (laughs) you know, or like I wear these shoes when I run fast. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely, it feels realistic to like what superheroes would be like if we had them where they would be a part of like capitalism for sure and I think that that makes it even more interesting I will say though like I think I waited so long to watch it because like you when it first came out I didn't know what it was and I heard a lot of people say oh it's amazing but there was something about I think like the title I thought like the title and obviously it's a graphic novel so like I get it that the show's title is from that but like it was almost like the boys to me sounded like it was about a group of like ragtag manly like superheroes who were just like complex like I didn't really understand it um and I'm sure a lot of people didn't either so like for me the title kind of deterred me from it because I'm like I already see like so many boy superheroes I don't need a whole show about it but it's not like that at all I totally believe that. I, I agree that, sure, there's probably a fanboys, uh, fanboys, fan base of people who read the boys. But like you said, I, I think they should have considered a different title for this. I mean, there's a reason why the show Game of Thrones 
was Game of Thrones, the first book title and not the series title, which was A Song of Ice and Fire. Because let's be honest, Game of Thrones has a better ring to it. Um, I think, I agree. I think that the boys could have had something better, probably some better marketing because I'll admit, as someone who's a nerd, who's a huge fan of superheroes and also, uh, you know, looking for new shows, uh, new takes on things to to check out, I I feel like I didn't really know about it. I only heard about it word word of mouth, which is like good because it got enough word of mouth going to Greenlight a season two, um, which is actually coming out in the next couple months. Uh, So, but... I wonder how many more people could be watching this show if they knew about it, whether it was through advertising or just a more appealing name. Yeah, I think that is interesting. It's hard to market it almost, which again is a reason why I didn't watch it initially. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I wish like there was maybe a different way to push it out because I do think it is like really worth looking at. And I'm, I really am glad you assigned it to me because I don't think I would have watched it like, had you not? And like, even when you did assign it to me, I was just kind of like, oh, another superhero <laughs> show. Cool. But like, I really was into it. And like I said, I only have two episodes left of the first season. So I was hooked right away. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm i excited to see what you think of the finale because it ends on a twist. And apparently, from what I've been reading, it's a twist that uh, is different from the comics so uh both comic fans and regular tv show fans were like oh shit (laughs) okay yeah and i i don't know it's it's funny like uh like okay so this is in the first episode uh we're mainly you know uh i assigned you the pilot at first um do you remember was there a scene or a moment that like was at the end that really hooked you or like pretty much after a little bit you're like oh i'm on board um when like one of the main characters had like a death kind of his origin story as to why he hates the seven uh was like if you you probably know the moment i'm talking about (laughs) yes yes and i did think watching it like oh that's a really good origin (laughs) like that's a really good origin moment um yeah no that definitely like it, it hit me like a ton of bricks i was not expecting that and so that's when i was like whoa what is this show like what's happening but then the end of the episode also leaves off on a cliffhanger that got me hooked so like the the death that you're talking about got me hooked to the pilot and dragged me into the pilot and then the cliffhanger at the end um which like involves a car crash all that if if you remember that's what got me wanting to be like oh okay where is this going because that was also like a very intense ending um so both worked both worked at me nice yeah um so you obviously decided to watch all almost the entire season just from the time which we assigned. Um, I'm curious what you think because Amazon doesn't do the Netflix method of dropping all of the episodes at once. Uh, they're actually going to be releasing them week after week. So um, it seems like you binged it kind of like I did. What did you think about binging it opposed to you know, like back when we were watching like Game of Thrones or Westworld, watching that week to week. When season two comes out, are you going to kind of wait for new episodes to bank and then you can kind of binge them? Or are you going to really just jump in and, you know, watch it week to week? 
Um, I did not realize that that's how it was released. Um, I enjoyed binging it just because the story got me so hooked that it, I immediately was like, oh, okay, what's going to happen next? I got to find out. Um, however, I don't really have a show I watch week to week anymore because I had Westworld. Westworld's trash. and won't come out for another 300 years. So that's gone. Um, <laughs> it's trash. It's trash. <laughs> and I have to wait years to see it. But like, so yeah, right now I don't. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still watching Labor of Love. Epic. Oh, the, oh the okay. Baby, <laughs> the baby ma- making show. It's, I refuse that to, for that to be my homework. It's one, oh, I should. I should do that on you, but it's wonderful. So that's my only week-to-week show, but that's ending soon, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> um, so I think I would watch it week-to-week because I, I, I just, for that feeling again, for like watching an episode, stewing on it all week, kind of like thinking about it throughout the week, being like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, that's something I don't really have anymore. Um, so it's, it could be a show that could be watched either way, I think, and be enjoyable. Yeah, I, I definitely think that I'm going to try to watch it week to week. Obviously, it depends on what schedule, uh, you know, how the world is looking then. But I, I think that, like you said, I think if this was released on a different network and kind of had a bigger audience, I think this could be, you know, I'm not saying it could be the next Game of Thrones, but like it could be a show that is so cinematic and gets people hooked to where you want to watch it week to week to where you don't want to wait to binge it because you just need to see what happens. Cause so many of the episodes end on an Oh shit moment. They really pull you. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I am one for one. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Daredevil didn't quite do it for me, but this one, this one killed it. So. Hell yeah. You did good. You did good. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on, I assigned you Succession. Uh, I assigned it for a few different reasons. One, because I love it and I think it's fantastic. Um, And two, I really, and if anyone listens to this podcast knows, I've been pushing you to try to watch Succession. Um, So this was like my opportunity to force you to do it. Force Um, me. (laughs) Force you to finally do it. Uh, because there's so many shows. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's so many shows to watch. Even if you want to watch something, it's like, yeah, I'll get to that. Um, so that's why I assigned it to you. So you had to watch it. Um, so what did you think of the pilot of Succession? And did you keep watching it? And, and are you going to continue watching it? How'd it go? Yes. So uh, you and many different people have recommended me this show not only because like you said that they loved it but they're like no no no, you would like it and i was like okay okay everyone like i (laughs) it's not that i don't want to see it um you know i had just taken a break from hbo i've been trying to do this save money thing by just kind of hopping between one streaming service at a time and watching what they have on there so i was like all right i'm gonna get uh the seven day free trial uh of hbo max so that i can not only watch the pilot but if if it's good as many of you guys said it would be i could keep watching and i'm glad i did because i'm uh on episode eight (laughs) (laughs) same as you i only have a couple left in the first season um yeah i mean there's a reason why everyone is talking about secession um i was a little hesitant kind of like how you were hesitant with the fact that like the boys was like oh is this another superhero about dudes like great um 
I was a little hesitant. I was like, am I going to be annoyed with these rich people? Like, because the, they don't seem endearing like the 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 roses on Shit's Creek, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, these seem like assholes. But, like, the cast intrigued me with uh, Kieran Culkin and uh, Jeremy Strong. Um, and then who I didn't know, Alan Ruck, who, if anyone isn't aware, he was Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Um, Brian Cox, that I was, I was really interested. I was like, okay. I mean, they have this, this is one of HBO's big shows that they're pushing out and they got this cast, like it has to be good. Um, and yeah, I was, I, was, I was hooked. I think that, um, you know, from the previews, I knew that obviously it's kind of about Brian Cox's, you know, media conglomerate billionaire who uh falls ill and then it's kind of like his children are kind of like all trying to shuffle to to take over um i didn't quite expect the story to go whether it was with his illness or the different alliances between different siblings um you know it's very twisty turny where a lot of backstabbing a lot of corporate you know, people trying to screw one another and try to sell one another. Um, I do see what you mean that it kind of has sometimes some very Sorkian dialogue where they'll just like ramble off like a bunch of things for, for like this insult. Um, and yeah, it's it's the show. It's it's very much like more drama, but then it'll randomly be really funny. Um, it'll be kind of intense but it's all about corporate stuff which i didn't think i'd be interested in and like as far as like the business goes like i'm not but i want to know what happens to these characters and i think what so often happens in like family shows like this like for example uh not quite the same type of show but like six feet under was always a show i was told i should watch dark comedy drama show about a family running a funeral home I liked it for the first season or so, but then all of a sudden I found myself not really caring for most of the family. I was like, I care about like two characters and the rest I hate when they're on camera. Um, this show, I'm pretty interested in all the characters, um, whether it's, you know, the lead with Jeremy Strong uh, as Kendall, uh, who gets screwed. And you, you, right when he gets screwed in that first episode, I'm like, God, I'm going to be rooting for him, aren't I? <laughs> you know, and you obviously talked about his performance being one of your favorite performances of the decade. So I see why. And... Yeah, I just, I, so far being now eight episodes in, I just finished episode eight before we recorded. Uh, I'm still hooked. And the fact that you said that the show gets better, I'm even more interested uh, to see where a lot of these stories go. Um, yeah, I, I I had a feeling that this would was the type of show, you know, like I said, with a lot of backstabbing, a lot of, uh, sibling rivalries and you know a, a shitty dad <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't think it would also be as funny as it was and entertaining and the fact that I am hooked on all the characters and not just some like even Greg who <laughs> yeah oh, I love Greg <laughs> Greg is uh, like a long lost cousin who basically uh, is trying, he's a young guy, he's trying to get ahead, he clearly is a screw-up, uh, he's kind of a bumbling fool, but it seems like he has some knowledge, like, from what I've seen, like, you never get to see him use his knowledge uh, as much, he's always just kind of, uh, 
you know, uh, doing stuff. And like the start of the season, he's very much like, I got like no money. So like he's in the office and he's like using dog poop bags, <laughs> like <laughs> as like Ziplocs to like grab cookies from the coffee break room. <laughs> and one of my favorite lines is uh, when he's like, oh my God, are you using poop bags? He's like, well, there's no poop in them. They're not like pre-pooped. And <laughs> <laughs> like lines like that. I was like, pre-pooped? Like seriously? God damn it. Um, I, yes, I love the character of Greg because the family is so filthy rich like they are in a world that most people will never ever understand like they are out there and greg brings it back to reality in these like <laughs> really brilliant ways where he's just like dopey and so innocent and naive that it's like he represents like almost how anyone else like a normal person would be in those situations like where they're just like what like <laughs> and just his he's so funny but yeah I pretty much agree with like everything you just said truly like I didn't watch it for a while because like I saw the trailers and was like I don't I can't deal with like rich people and their problems like I just cannot um and then I just kept hearing it's so good it's so good it's so good so I watched it and yeah I don't know what it is it's just like all these characters are kind of not great people if like they're if they were real people you knew which there are real people like this in the world these are based on real people you would hate them but for some reason you root for all of them and you love all of them except the dad <laughs> pretty much like and they are super flawed but you want them to like do well even though maybe they don't deserve it and like yeah i'm, I'm invested in like everyone and they all bring some different sort of drama or humor and yeah, I will say like, as the series goes, um, and it's only been two seasons, like there is a good amount of character growth, not in a way that like jam packs you with like a shit ton of story, but in a way that like feels natural. So I'm very excited to talk to you about it as it goes. And I'm really excited for you to see this season finale because it's some shit goes down. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Um, yeah, the episode six really, I, I was already gonna finish the, all the episodes as you know as quick as i can but like season six had like a certain scenario happen that i'm like god this feels like a season finale like yes. this is some intense shit and then it's just like nope there's still four more episodes of the season so i i love when shows do that where it's not just you know build 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 to the finale like no the show can have its ups and downs um and yeah i i guess yeah, I, I'm very surprised because, like I said, with an ensemble like this for a family drama, I was really worried that I'd be like, oh, I really don't care about this particular brother or I really don't care about this thing. And But one thing I love is how self-aware that they all know that, like, the family's fucked. You know, yes. like, they... <laughs> they all say that like they're just like ah like you know we're, we're the worst and you know we all hate each other and blah, blah blah like they all know so like when they do kind of like a a family therapy everyone's like well who's gonna take this seriously you know like because everyone's so two-faced backstabby politically and finally I, I love the one episode when brian cox like oh well like to play the game or whatever i was like yeah because like this is it's like game of thrones like you got to put on a face you got to know how to play the game and um some of them know how to play it better than others um and how many times these characters whether it's 
parent to kid, you know, uh, sibling to sibling, whatever that they tell each other to F off. It is, yeah. <laughs> it is all the time. <laughs> right. And I think that that's, it's really funny too, how they just like say such despicable things to each other so casually, just like, and then, then just later like, they're just like, oh, I love you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so funny. It's like, you're right. Like, it's very much like Game of Thrones, Shakespearean, like highbrow. Like everyone's like backstabbing drama. But it's so self-aware that that's what makes it fun. Like the jokes in it. And like, I, there, it's not, it does not take itself seriously too much. It's like the perfect amount of drama and also just like awareness that's, I think, what makes it, like, really brilliant, because if they just did, like, straight drama, I don't think I would like it as much, but the fact that they, like, can blend humor and drama, and, like, all these emotions, like, you you feel very mixed bag of things while watching it, like, with Kendall, for instance, like, I hated him, I thought he was annoying as hell at first, and I felt bad for him, then I, like, really loved him, then I was rooting for him, so it's, like, it's interesting how they take these characters, and they just, like, bring you through it it's and they're they're just so complex and fucking weird i love it <laughs> yeah i i think also that the i don't know i think that the show uh even though like it blends comedy and everything really well it, it even the characters like you kind of hate you just love the performances and such and like i was just surprised because like we th this is about this like elite you know one percenters who are all, you know, assholes who don't realize the kind of lives that they live and like how much their decisions affect people like us. That like how many people our age are in our situation still like the show. I was, mm -hmm. that's what I was worried about. I was like, am I going to just hate these people because they're entitled and like they're rich? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's, what's funny about it. Cause I'm over here like eat the rich, but then I'm like, succession is so good. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense, but like, as it goes and like, I won't say too much. They do play with that more where they like, they make fun of they're like, for instance, there's a, a storyline that, um, Culkin's character goes through where he's like making this really bad decision and it it like blows up in his face and it affects a bunch of people and like his reaction to it is just kind of like, eh. <laughs> like which is so it, it does again it's very self-aware and it plays on the fact that they are like one percenters and despicable people I don't know I I don't know why I hate the rich and the one percent in real life but I'm like so into succession yeah for sure um all right well yeah i'm i'm definitely gonna keep watching so man we we both picked shows that we not only watched the pilot and enjoyed the pilot but we're both eight episodes in <laughs> right yeah that's really funny we went we went deep with these shows both of us Good for yeah us. and no awesome. pun intended on the deep uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, let's move on now uh, to podcasts. Um, Jess, I assigned you the podcast uh, That Time I Got Arrested with B. Casper. Um, what did you think um, of this podcast? So I think it's a really interesting concept. Um, basically, uh, a way to tell uh, her story throughout these like little life moments uh, that kind of go back to her um, getting in trouble with the law, sometimes arrested, sometimes being detained, sometimes, you know, 
just being stopped by cops. Um, I think it is an interesting way to piece together your life, kind of like a timeline of what happened. Um, I enjoyed the first episode a lot. I think it really just puts you in the deep end right away. Her introduction episode and the first episode does not hold back in any way, uh, which is interesting to hear for a podcast, just like here it all is and we're just gonna lay it out there. Um, so I like that. I thought that was pretty refreshing. Um, I didn't listen past the third episode, so I don't know how much the show evolves. Um, one thing I would like, and maybe there are, it's already been happening, is just I think it'd be really cool if like newer episodes focus on like our current justice system issues, like how like what we what we talk about day to day could be worked into this um because you know <laughs> it's relevant um so yeah i do i but i do i really like hearing stories in which people really go through hell and back and come out of it and come out of it stronger and that's definitely what this show seems to do it seems like her story was really rough a lot has happened and she's come out better for it maybe um, I don't know her personally, so it's hard to say that, but that's kind of what I perceive. So I do like that. I do I do like a story that almost is honest with how you can destroy yourself and bounce back. Not every prison story or addiction story or drug use story or whatever story ends in a pitfall. Like sometimes people just do crazy things and they learn from it. So I did appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I... Uh... I uh, I'm a little bit biased because I, I I have met the host. Uh, she is in the Chicago comedy scene, uh, and kind of gotten a little backstory about like the podcast and um, how it's kind of grown over the last couple of years. And um, it 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 I, big thing that you brought up why it hooked me in those first, and that's why I was like I she has to listen to the first like the intro in the first episode because it is so raw. Yes. <laughs> It is just like, hey, here's some shit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank God I didn't grow up like that. Oh, my God. I <laughs> am very, very fortunate. Holy shit. Uh, she just, like you said, she just takes you into it right away. And I think that's why I got hooked. And um, it's definitely a show that I've taken my time with. Uh, I haven't, like, binge listened um, I think I'm in the 20s now. I believe she's currently in the 50s or so. But this is very much um, a book because uh, she did have like a book deal that she's kind of getting sorted out. And so the podcast was a way for her to do like these little chapters, little stories, little segments. Um, it's kind of gone through some different angles. Um, she did some interviews and then uh, a big chunk that's gonna, if, if you do pick back up or skip ahead a little, is her being in prison for a year. And, and it's not all orange is new, black, happy, fun. You know, there's some serious shit in, in, in an area that like, you know, I'm from Illinois and I know Jess, you're from the uh, Midwest, Illinois, Indiana as well. And so like to hear these types of things, it's like, oh, and this is around here. Like this isn't some distant prison in some state in the middle of nowhere. Like this is near us. And like you said, I'd be really curious uh, to hear what she talks about uh, with going through 
her entire sentence and then the prison system now, because I know it's something that she does like to just uh, post about and bring up in social media that is like, yeah, we need to, we need to fix this prison system because, you know, it's just been around for so long and we grew up with it that it feels like, oh yeah, it's just that you do bad things and you get a timeout. It's like, no, it's much more than that. It's very corrupt. It's a business and it's crazy how our country handles it compared to, you know, I recently saw images of jails in other countries and other jails look at it more like what it should be, which is like a rehabilitation second chance, like, hey, you fucked up. Let's try to see why you did and work through it. Whereas our system is just like, you fucked up, you're terrible, you're garbage, you don't belong in society. And uh, so, um, yeah, her story is very raw. I definitely see how it's not for everyone because it's intense and she doesn't hold back. Uh, and as she starts telling her story about lots of different things with arrests and crime and whatnot, um, yeah, I just found it interesting because, you know, I'm just a, <laughs> just a comedian writer from Midwest who has had a pretty uh, basic upbringing. And so to hear a story like this about someone that I just met at a comedy show, I'm like, holy shit, this is, uh, she, you know, and she's our age. And <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say like on, on that, like I do really appreciate the fact that it does kind of normalize going to jail <laughs> because um, I mean, like you said, like a lot of times jail is just like, all right, you're, you fucked up, you get in there, we're done with you. And while that might be possibly the good, best case for like violent offenders, there are so many nonviolent offenders who are in there for like marijuana, for drugs, for this, that, and the other. And it's not because they're bad people, it's because of whatever reason. And for, for me personally, I've done some things that could definitely put me in jail, but I just wasn't in like the wrong place, wrong time. So I'm good. Like, and so I think what I appreciate about this podcast is it does say like, hey, um, it could happen and it sucks and you know, this is what we can do about it. So I think it's just a, another nuanced way of looking at our justice system and talking about it and talking about how it screws people over and it's it's awful. Um, and then this is where I would assign everyone to watch the documentary The 13th on Netflix because it gets really into that. Um, but yeah, I just like, like I said, I like hearing a story of someone going to prison and saying, yeah, this happened and I'm coming out the other end of it because so often, you know, it's like they went to prison, they couldn't get a job afterwards, they couldn't do this afterwards. And it's very real. So I, I do think it's an interesting podcast to hear a firsthand account of a young person going through these things. Um, I haven't listened to episodes with interviews. I would be curious about that um, because I do think we just need to normalize the conversation of, of prison, um, especially for nonviolent drug offenders. Uh, so that's that's my hot take. That's my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, and, and you brought up a good point about the nonviolent crimes because, so, you know, if I were to recommend some other episodes, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but um, she sort of, once she gets into her prison sentence, does some episodes where she kind of talks about some of the other inmates that she kind of befriended because she was in there for over a year. So when you're in there that long, you kind of do need some socialization and um you know most of the other people were non-violent like they a lot of people in there guards and such had violent tendencies but like the ones that she was friends with were like the one was a teacher 
who she um, was a great teacher, but she fooled around with a 17-year-old boy who eventually, you know, turned her in. And then another one was about someone who seemed like she was a great, you know, uh, family person. And then she just embezzled some money from like her company when they weren't looking. Not to say that these are less, you know, not serious things that they shouldn't have gone to jail for. But I think so often in our minds, because murder mysteries and crime shows are so rampant in this country for culture you know uh we have shows like my favorite murderer and you know tiger king and all these crazy uh characters that we see a lot of murder and a lot of violence and a lot of hard crime that we don't think about the fact that they're thrown into a lot of the times the same thing as like you said people who just did some drugs or made one mistake or did one uh thing that isn't violent but they're thrown in the same same conversation as them and treated the same. And it's, it's doesn't seem like you, you, you're putting them around the violent people around the nonviolent people. Well, that could have a negative effect where the nonviolent people go stir crazy and then they become violent. And how is that really teaching them anything? So I, I definitely think this has a lot to say with the prison system. And also because she's someone that's our age, I personally think as the episodes go on, you know, she is growing and learning like what we all do. Um, you know, there are some episodes where I think she's, you know, maybe hypocritical, maybe, you know, not bringing up her privilege as much, but then other episodes where she's, you know, in a better headspace and she kind of brings up, you know, the mistakes she made and she's learning the best of us. Like she's not some 50 year old that's recounting 50 years of her life. She's someone that's only in her late twenties recounting, you know, this, this life that she's lived and, you know, a year from now in new episodes, she could be learning things from what she said 20 episodes ago, who knows? So yeah, I find it interesting. If that's something you want to dive into, if you like book style podcasts, um, and you know, crime stories. Some of these just get into logistics that I'm like, man, this seems like something that they did on Breaking Bad, but she did it. <laughs> right. Yeah, she does have an interesting story. So it was fascinating to hear a firsthand account of it all. Um, let's move on though, because I could get very fired up about the prison system in this country, uh, and I don't want to get too, too political um but defund the police what anyway what? Uh, what um so the podcast i assigned you was getting curious with jonathan van ness the episode about staying healthy in the age of coronavirus the reason why i assigned this to you in particular is because i think this podcast is brilliant because it's sort of uh, an interview podcast where he has an expert on uh, about one specific topic and just ask some questions. Um, it's just, it's him, it's Jonathan Van Ness. If you've seen Queer Eye, you know exactly the type of person he is. Um, he's very boisterous and fun. But what I really, really, really like about the show is that he is not afraid to ask any question. He's not afraid to admit that he's confused. So I find it to be very informative. Um, and I hope you did too. So what did you think about it? Yeah, so uh, it's funny, I was actually remembering the last time we did uh, viewing homework, you gave me uh, first episodes of Queer Eye. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so, right. Uh, the fact that you're like, yeah, he has a podcast. I'm like, yep, that's on brand for Jess. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, 
I mean, first thing first, based on what I've said last time when I talked about Queer Eye first, before I get into his podcast specifically, love Queer Eye. Um, I still haven't finished all of it. That's because I, I honestly, Queer Eye is the type of show that really gets me crying. I'm not afraid to say it. It gets me teary eyed, even if it's like happy or whatever, it makes me think of certain things. It just, it gets me. So it's not a show I wanted to finish yet. I like having options to turn it on when I want to in a therapeutic manner like recently within the last week or two I was like you know I I think I could just use a cry and, and oh so, it's like a hug for you oh, <laughs> I love that well, yeah like and so I I decided to throw one on I think I'm on season two or three but like because there's there's limited seasons and limited episodes like I like having some to go to i don't want to finish it and then be craving the next season also when you binge that much it's it's a lot of it's an emotional roller coaster (laughs) um so yeah i'll just say that about that so uh going into his podcast i was very curious you know him not being around um his other castmates uh i was curious on himself and like you you had mentioned to me that he had an expert on the show so i was really curious i was like okay so how's he going to react with someone who's not like someone that he's changing but like he's someone that he's interviewing and also about a topic that is really serious and really relevant um because you know we've talked about it before but uh right before COVID really hit and the lockdown started, I was visiting Jess in Colorado. And so like, I just got home in time before they started doing like travel bans and people were locked down. I started working from home and have been working from home ever since. And so uh, now that it's been a good three, four months um, and it can be very hard with coronavirus just all the different content whether it's people complaining whether it's how other neighbors or whoever are reacting experts you know this politician said this i'm like oh my god i'm sick like but it's all we can talk about because it's one of the main things happening and so many of our everyday life things are gone and so i was i don't want to say hesitant but i was like interesting interested to see how Someone like Jonathan Van Ness, who's so positive and fun and, you know, uh, usually around a bunch of his other castmates helping improve someone's life. I'm like, okay, well, what's it going to be like interviewing on this subject that quite frankly, I'm getting like tired of, but also I'm still scared, you know, anxious about here and there. It kind of ebbs and flows or some days it's all on my mind. Some days I don't even want it on my mind for a minute. Um, but yeah, I will say uh, if you're curious if his interview style or his general style is any different than on Queer Eye, like it's typical fun, Jonathan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like even talking about COVID, um, you know, he's just like, oh, so tell me that, come on, honey, you know, like yeah. and just like these little phrases and little things and his attitude and um, just uh general uh we'll just say charisma and uh energy that he brings um even with an expert that uh i think i don't want to say that she was like stale but she's a very serious person who used to be a head medical person in the obama administration that like he's having fun 
uh, and still make it entertaining, but also informative. I think he did a great blend of that because it could have been very boring. It could have been very preachy. It could have just been very seemed like he, it could have seemed like he wasn't taking things seriously, but he was, you know, he was scared like the rest of us. And um, what I really appreciated uh, was he asked a lot of the questions I think that we're wondering. Um, And even though like, I don't want to say a lot has changed since then. Um, There were questions like he even just said, he's like, okay, so I order takeout, you know, they leave it behind on the ground and like, I take it in. Like, do I need to wash the bag? Do I wash the containers? Then I got to wash my hands. Do I watch the counter where it touched, you know, like, what do I got to do? And what I appreciate is like he was asking all those details. He was coming up with the questions that I don't know if it's just all himself or he thought about like, what are the things that I'm curious about during the day? You know, he brought up the fact that like, okay, so if I want to go to my car, I have to, you know, touch a door handle. I have to touch uh, multiple buttons on an elevator. Then I need to touch the door to the parking garage and then to my car. Like, do I bring a wet wipe the whole way, you know? (laughs) And like, that was things that it's like, yeah, should we all just be wearing Clorox wipes as gloves and (laughs) and disinfecting as we're touching things? Um, So he asked the stuff that I wanted to know, um, but without being repetitive and without, uh, I, I guess just, I just, the, what I'm trying to get across is that he really found the things that we're all thinking and we're all curious about. And that was one of the first things I really, really appreciated. That's awesome. I'm glad you uh, picked up on that and appreciate that because that's how every episode is with him, no matter what the topic is. He's the least pretentious interviewer. You know, he doesn't pretend like he knows anything and he's not afraid to be like, wait, I'm confused. Can you say that again or say that differently? Or like, what is uh, basic questions that we all have. So that's why I find it even more informative than like most podcasts, because he's not afraid to get in there and like say, I I don't know what this means because a lot of his listeners probably don't either. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's almost just like hearing a friend asking questions for you, which I think is really cool. Um, and yeah, I chose the coronavirus one specifically because like you said, it's a very heavy topic. It's something that's like really big on our mind. It's something that we hate thinking about, but we have to think about. And just, yeah, hearing it from him, who's someone so positive, it makes you think like, okay, yeah, we got to take this seriously and be smart, but we also don't have to like, you know, rip our hair out and like sit in a corner and like go crazy, you know, like we, there's balance. Which, yeah, that's the, the next thing I was going to bring up was that the doctor talked about, um, in a, I'm forgetting her name at the moment. Um, But the doctor talked about the fact that, as you said, a lot of people are becoming almost OCD. uh, And and I don't want to just throw out that, you know, those abbreviations like and exaggerating, but it really is where we're seeing such a shift in which people went from not really caring to, I don't want to say over caring, but they're just being cautious. And, I like she brings up the the fact that like yes we can do all these things where you wash this you watch that you wash every surface da 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 but at some point we do need to live our lives and that was one thing she said for many answers is that like yes you can do that this is the safe thing this is this but also at some point 
we got to live our lives. And like, because we don't know how long this is really going to be uh, running wild in our country that we need to find the happy medium as far as being able to be safe, be clean, you know, wearing a mask, washing our hands, doing this, distancing, but not necessarily like anything we touch anywhere. We need to be in a hazmat suit with uh, a bucket of bleach, tossing it on things. You know, we don't need to go that wild, but we just need to be safe and informed. And that's what I appreciated because I was really curious too with a doctor like this i'm like oh my god is she just gonna completely fuck up my world and tell me how like wrong i've been doing everything even (laughs) though i thought i've been doing things safely but no she gave realistic answers like the takeout answer i remember she said so what we do at my household is we get takeout or delivery we um take the food out of the containers put them on a plate and then we toss out the stuff, we wash our hands, and there you go. You know, it's it's not that like <laughs> you got to wash the floor uh, where the bag touched and you got to wash the bags and wash the container and you got to wash the food, you know, like <laughs> it's mm-hmm. nothing that insane, um, but it's, it, it's just uh, a safe enough thing. And so, yeah, I appreciated that it was realistic but also safe and informative, but uh, it didn't fuck up my world. I'm, I'm glad it didn't do that for you. And I, I would say too that like, like I said, he's like that for pretty much any topic, um, which is really cool. And he doesn't always just do like super serious topics. He, I think he has a really good blend of things that are relevant and what's happening. Like he just um, uploaded an episode entitled are cicadas the only one having a hot girl summer like what's like what cicadas up to um he had a recent episode where he interviews stacy abrams about um voting rights and voting restrictions and like it's like i said he's he's very like just asking things he doesn't know and most people might not know but in a way that's not shameful because i feel like it's it's almost shameful to admit you don't know something people are scared to like look stupid or dumb but that's silly because not everyone can know anything like everything ever so it's fine to admit like i don't know this thing can you teach me about it and that's how we learn and that's what he does and therefore it's it's good for the audience so yeah i would just say like anyone really i think it's a show that like anyone can listen to um, and learn something. So if you just go through like getting curious with Jonathan Venice and like find an episode in the feed that like, hey, I don't know enough about this or that. Like, I think it's really good just to get kind of like basic information in a in a way that's like fun and interesting too. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm glad the coronavirus uh, didn't. <laughs> freak you out too much i chose that one just because it's obviously super relevant and yeah um, you know i was i was gonna i was like debating on which ones to do and like it's it's good to have one that like matters like the information in it definitely does matter so i'm glad you had a pretty positive reaction to it and you didn't freak out that's great yeah and and i think it's a show that i may not download every episode and binge but i i I am curious to like you said kind of go through the feed and look at the topics um that he jumped in on and what kind of uh people he had interviewed i'm so happy to hear that (laughs) we're nailing
killing it. We're doing great. We yeah, sang some really good things. <laughs> <laughs> we really did. You, so you definitely got to check these out, guys. So finally, uh, we gave each of ourselves a movie that the other person hadn't seen that we really wanted them to see. So uh, Jess, I assigned you one of my top 10, top five, like one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, for those who don't know, uh, the movie is A Few Good Men. Uh, it was originally a play written by Aaron Sorkin, then got so popular right off the bat that Hollywood was like, adapt this into a movie. And here's Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson and Demi Moore and Kevin Bacon and <laughs> like this insane cast. Um, and yeah, so I was really excited. I was like, looking through a lot of my favorite movies trying to find one that you hadn't seen you said you hadn't seen that i was like oh that's it that's the one you're watching um so yeah jess what did you think of a few good men i am so so glad you assigned this to me like i am so happy um because it was one of those movies that i've always wanted to see um i just never did like for no reason like there was never any any reason I just never did um it's like definitely one that I knew was highly respected and iconic. I just like never got around to seeing it. Um, and as soon as I was like 20 minutes in, I was like, why, why did I wait this long? Like, what, <laughs> why, why did I, how have I never seen this before? What was I thinking? Like, how did it take this late in my life to see it? Like, I don't, what did I do? Um, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I, there's so many aspects to it that I really enjoyed. I feel like every piece of it was really fascinating from the story. Um, I like a good courtroom drama, so it was like fun to watch one. I haven't watched one in a while. Um, the cast is great. Um, the Sorkin dialogue, these huge monologues. Um, it was very interesting to sort of see like where it all began because it was his first screenplay. And like you said, it was based on a play and there were certain aspects of it that were like, that's, those are pieces that will be expanded upon for decades <laughs> because he is kind of, he's just that kind of writer. So it was really cool to see it from the start. Um, and I think the cast was just so amazing that it elevated the script even more. Um, I don't really like have strong feelings about Demi Moore either way. So watching her in something like this, I found her to be incredible. Um, it's funny too, because we're watching the Mission Impossible franchise. So I've been watching a lot of Tom Cruise. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> good cruise movies. Cause... A lot of good cruise movies. <laughs> there, are, there are some rough ones. I have seen the Mummy remakes. So. <laughs> Yikes. But also like watching this and like Mission Impossible, I was just like, why does he have to be a Scientologist? He is so cool. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Well, that's, that's, so that's where you got to separate... Like some actors, yeah. some people, you got to separate the real life from their things because uh, whether it's the Mission Possible franchise, which we're going to get into in future episodes, or this movie specifically, I'm like, see, guys, he can be really good if he's given yeah. the right material and, you know, you just watch the product and, like, see him bounce off these other great actors and, you know, like the scene where he's firing away with... Nicholson and you you wonder not wonder but you see why those lines in that scene is literally iconic and the movie only came out in the early 90s so it's not a super old classic movie but it feels like a classic 
Right, because it's jumped up to be so highly regarded throughout the years as like, you know, it's always in like best of the best movies. And I totally get why, because it holds up to the standard that it's been, that's been put on it. And that's another thing too. I always am like very hesitant when you watch one of those movies and maybe this is why it took a while for me to watch it throughout my life is, you know, you hear movies like Casablanca, Citizen Kane regarded as like, this is cinema, this is it, this is the top. <laughs> and then you watch it and you're like, I, it was fine, like it was okay. <laughs> like this one lives up to that. And I found that to be very exciting that like it lives up to the hype that it's had for decades. Um, so that was great to see. I love when that happens when it's like, oh yeah, no, I get it. I get why it's, why it's regarded this way. Um, it's crazy to me that it didn't get any Oscars. It wasn't even nominated for the screenplay. Jack Nicholson right? was nominated, which he was good, but like Tom definitely should have. That's it's so weird, like how it's it's regarded as like one of the best movies, and it didn't have anything. Whatever, super weird. Um, I also will say I had a lot of fun seeing these like smaller roles of actors like baby actors like <laughs> like baby Noah Wiley and Christopher Guest as like the doctor like I've also been watching a lot of his movies so that was like really fun. oh that's right that's Christopher Guest yeah I, I, and it's I've known Rob that Reiner movie for so long that I was like oh that's just the the guy who played the doctor you know <laughs> yeah and it's really cool too because it was Rob Reiner that directed A Few Good Men right Yes. Right. So, and him and Christopher Guest worked together on Spinal Tap. So I was just like, whoa, was not <laughs> expecting like all that to be in this movie, this cute little callback, whatever. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. has like two lines, like <laughs> Cuba, like that was really interesting too, to see like these like tiny baby actors, like young, very young Kiefer Sutherland. And then you have like, of course, like Kevin Bacon, Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Jack Nicholson, like at the top. So it was very layered in like the performances, which was really cool. I thought the cast overall was like really interesting to watch. Which one thing I'll say about the cast, two, uh, two people who I think get very forgotten because the cast is so star studded is the fact uh, I almost myself being a huge fan of his, I almost always forget that Kevin Bacon is in the movie and he's mm -hmm. in such a big role because he's opposing counsel to Tom and he gets some good stuff there. And also uh, Kevin Pollack, who um, fun fact, Kevin Pollack uh that role was supposed to be played by Jason Alexander, but Jason Alexander was doing Seinfeld. Wow, that's interesting. I could kind of see it, but yeah, Kevin Pollack is definitely very fit for it. Um, yeah, so just overall, I, I really, really liked it. I see why it's regarded for what it is. I see why the screenplay is held to such a pedestal. I get that, why it launched Sorkin's career to be where it is now. Um, I don't get why it wasn't nominated for Oscars, but right? whatever, like, okay. Um, yeah, I just- <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, I really enjoyed it. I'm so glad you assigned it to me. I'm so glad I finally saw it. And you um, see why it's one of my favorites. Like, I've I definitely see so why much. it's one of your favorites. And if I had like, honestly, I think if I'd seen it earlier in my life, it might've been one of mine too. Um, well, it's, uh, as someone who's seen it a million times and maybe it's because my family's weird that there's only so many movies that we all agree on but like this movie is one of them it's so rewatchable mm -hmm. like it uh, is yeah and it's something that we've talked about a million times on the show that 
there are movies like this that are so iconic and so memorable that who remembers the movie that won that year? Like, was it, I don't know, fucking Driving Miss Daisy or some shit? You know, like it was something that people don't really remember, but you remember A Few Good Men. And I think, uh, whether, and it's not just that you can't handle the truth, you know, on one like the top 100 quotes of like all time, everyone knows that line. But like, if you listen to like that monologue, that full monologue by Jack yes. Nicholson, I was going to say that. I was going to say that, like, you can't handle the truth is obviously the iconic line that everyone knows if you haven't seen the movie. But I was so surprised by the monologue that followed it. I thought that was, like, mind-blowing. And, like, just, like, the writing of it, the way it, like, kind of punches you in the face and makes you think about things. Like, that, to me, was, like, that was I wasn't expecting that I was just expecting like you can't handle the truth and then like that's it like that's all he <laughs> says like and it was just like whoa oh my god but like no what he says afterwards is even more impactful than like that line that's so iconic so that's I found that to be incredibly interesting that you can't handle the truth was cool but everything that happened afterwards was like really the meat of it so that was a nice surprise yeah and so I uh, actually uh, read the play, the original play. And like, I was so excited to see that monologue was, I don't think changed any word. Like, I think that was one of the things that when they were adapting it, that they're just like, nope, we're, this is good. You know, because yeah. it's not only uh, all the things that he's saying in that line. Like one of the things that he says is like, you know, basically like there's shit that I have to do that a lot of you don't want to know about. You just want to be oblivious. Like you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall, you know, and all these things that he's making, like he's a shitty person and he did a shitty thing in the movie. Um, and, but like, you know, there's people like that out there. It's such a realistic thing. And it's also just delivered so well that it's like, all right, well, I guess if you're going to give someone some attention, it makes sense so that Jack gets that because he pulled off because dial, uh, dialogue isn't just wordy by Sorkin. It's like he throws in really big words and things that aren't really said, turns of phrases um, that you not everyone can pull off. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure some people it sounds very rambly, but for him, it's like I believed that character saying that monologue and yeah yeah i was gonna say too the monologue happens in a courtroom and without any spoiler um it's like i feel like if it was a different actor or if it was written a little differently it wouldn't be believed that he would have like that particular character would have behaved like that in court because he's a commander he's an officer of the law like you know it's just so but so i was thinking that like after i watched it like i believed that he would do that and say that and act that way in that setting but it was just because of how specific it was if it was any other way i don't know if i would have and i found that to be fascinating so overall the movie a plus plus for me (laughs) not that it my opinion matters because it's obviously highly regarded anyway but i very much enjoyed it and i'm very glad you assigned it to me um, so let's talk about our final assignment. Final assignment. Final assignment. Um, yeah. Uh, don't breathe. Um, do you have, uh, do you want to intro this? Yes. So I assigned Brandon the move, the horror movie, Don't Breathe. 
Um, I assigned it to him because he hasn't seen enough horror movies in his life. Um, this is one that, while it is very dark and intense, it's not quite like your Hereditary or Midsommar, which I was thinking about assigning Brandon first, but that's kind of throwing him in the deep end. Um, and Don't Breathe is a great movie to me because of its sound design. Um, it's very interesting how it plays on that trope that is very important to horror movies. So, Brandon, what did you think of this horror movie? Yeah, so uh, one thing that I've kind of discovered, uh, we've talked about before when it comes to horror movies, I used to often just say, I don't like horror movies um, because I just thought they were all bad. But then as I got older and started seeing the good ones, um, and also there's been like this weird kind of late resurgence of good horror movies, whether it's, you know, Get Out, Us, uh, A Quiet Place, Don't Breathe, you know, a lot of these ones that take a, I don't want to say a simple premise, but they take something and then they just pull it off so well on, uh, even though it, it it's something that usually requires minimal actors, minimal sets, you know, something that's very, seems simple, but it's just handled so well that it feels so much bigger than it is. Um, this was another one of them. Don't Breathe takes the simple premise of uh, three kids want to rob an old man who is blind and uh, turns out, you know, he's ex-military and he can hear really well and knows his house well. And uh, all of a sudden they get kind of trapped inside and he's trying to find them and you know i don't want to say shenanigans ensue but you know the plot ensues um yeah, where it's they not fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah where they where he can't see them but it's still very much a threat because he's like ex-military and so he's he's not just some raggedy old man it's you know um uh, what's the Stephen Lang? Is that the the actor's name? Um, the guy from the Avatar. Uh, <laughs> Is that uh, the old guy? Yeah. He's in Avatar? He's like the general in Avatar. Oh, I hate Avatar. Oh, so do I. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> cool. Don't you worry. I'm glad we uh, agree. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought that his performance um, was really well. I, I like the, the main characters who are kind of like the young leads, uh, they're pretty much unknown actors for the most part they're not like superstars like oh it's Zac Efron or you know someone you know um I think they handled it really well I was really curious because I I lately have been enjoying kind of pausing and seeing how far I'm into a movie as far as uh where like the plot is to kind of study it from a writing perspective I was like man this happened this and like there's still this much left. Like, what the fuck is going to happen? You know? <laughs> yeah. And like, I didn't know. Uh, I was like, are they all going to make it out? Is uh, how many of them are going to die? Um, what? And also at first it's like, who am I rooting for? Cause like they're robbing a blind dude. And then the movie takes a flip where you find out more and more about him. And then, yeah, you're totally rooting against him. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to spoil the twists. Um, when they happen, but this is a cast where pretty much most of the film is only, I'll say most of the film is three people. And so that they're able to pull off of that where there's a lot of 
quiet scenes because they're trying to be silent so he doesn't hear them. Um, and al almost the entire film is in the house itself. Um, I think it's just handled really well. And it makes me just want more movies like this where it's like, it doesn't have to be uh, an exorcism. It doesn't have to be a big, you know, glowy alien monster zombie thing or whatever. Like it can be something very simple with just human characters, minimal characters, one location. Like if you have the right idea, the right direction, um and just the right execution it's gonna be entertaining and you're gonna not know what's gonna happen and and it's it's something that like it's not like the favorite horror movie i've seen lately or i, I may not buy it but i'm definitely glad i watched it because i've been meaning to i've heard just great things about this movie and then when i finally saw it i'm like oh yeah that's why you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense yeah, I think the horror movie genre is definitely deeper than a lot of people realize. Um, it has more wealth than just like you said, like your exorcisms or your paranormal activities or, you know, conjurings. Like there is definitely a deep wealth of horror movies. And my favorites tend to be the more simplified ones. Um, Don't Breathe definitely isn't like one of my top 10 horror movies, but I love it for its simplicity. I love it that it... Um, really plays up sound in horror, which is so incredibly important and really uses that as a huge tool in the storytelling of it all. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many movies like that. Like there's Hush, there's Oculus, like so Paranormal Activity. Uh, I didn't, I don't love the franchise, but it did start out in a very similar way where it was just two people in one house. And I didn't like the first one. Enough people did for it to make a ton of money. But um there's a lot that, like you said, if you have the right idea and the idea is good enough and you can play into a certain fear, you don't need like a whole flashy thing. Um, don't get me wrong. I love my 80s campy horror movie as much as the next guy, but I also like when it's just really simplified and plays into your fears in a different way. And don't breathe, obviously, like the monster was a real person. Um, the jump scares were really because of the sound of it, which is fascinating. So I think that while Don't Breathe is not like top 10 favorite horror movies, it shows just the different types of horror movies we have nowadays. And that's why I really like it too. Yeah, and then it shows that it may not be a movie that has all these grand things. Like if you ever see a trailer or things advertising for like a new horror movie like this coming out um give it a chance if you hear good things because it's worth it um and it may not be this may not be something that's you know highly acclaimed like a get out but it's like if we have more horror movies like this i think that the horror genre would not be stigmatized as much as it is you know i think it's it's kind of not taken seriously and not and and i'll admit because i did it for years because i didn't take it seriously because people kept showing me like oh this movie's great this one's this and i'm like this sucks like it's all jump scares i get the formula and then eventually at film school i took a sound class where we went over the idea of hey, when you want to do a jump scare, all you do is you get things really quiet and then you actually literally just remove audio for like whether it's a second or so so that the ears 
adjust to the idea that there's nothing happening and then just ramp up the audio. I was like, all right, cool. Now that's mm-hmm. ruined. Thanks, film school. Right. Um, not even that I enjoyed it before, but I was like, I now my ears are trained. <laughs> but a movie like this that takes a simple premise and is sure it still does the jump scares but it's a little bit different because there are some that aren't all audio there's some that like you know the camera cuts and the guy's just staring at the person but uh, and you forget for a second that he's blind so it's like oh fuck he's looking right at him and then it's like oh wait no 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 he can't see oh my god you know um but more like those nail biting moments, like he's reaching around with his hands and they're just like, you know, trying to not make the floor squeak, trying to cover their mouths so they're not making noise, things like that. Uh, Yeah, highly recommend, you know, if you're looking for a good horror movie, but not something that's like super gross, not something that's torture porn. You know, we've went over it. I'm not someone who likes gory movies just for the sake of gore. I don't like this. I never saw the Saw movies. Never saw the saw. Uh, um, never got into anything like that because I'm like, ah, this is not for me. Uh, but this this is for me because it just takes a simple thing and something that would be scary. Like, what if you were in a house and you were trying to quietly sneak around and like your life depended on it? Like, that's that's something that I want to watch. Well, I'm really glad you had that reaction um, because I do think that there are a lot of horror movies that are like that. Many people just don't know about them. That's why Get Out winning an Oscar was such a big deal because it shows that horror movies are good. Like there are good ones. Um, The genre itself is just known for being campy and explosive and like torture porn and like the more mainstream movies, the ones that make a ton of money at the box office is what kind of defines the genre. But what's exciting is now we have like our Midsommar and like our Hereditary and Us and The Lighthouse and Witch, which is showing like it doesn't have to be Freddy versus Jason to be a horror movie. It can be very simple and it can really play into your fear. So I'm glad you liked it. We we yeah. did great. These Man, we killed, we killed it. We killed it. It's like we know each other or something. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, we'd love to hear what you think about any of these uh, media-related uh, what you think about any of these, whether it's uh, these movies, these pilots, these TV shows, these podcasts, if you check them out based on what we said, please let us know. We'd love to hear what you thought about them. Um, Please give us your recommendations. Please let us know things you want us to talk about if we haven't talked about it yet. Um, Jess, we have the next two episodes planned. Do you want to give people uh, a reminder on what those next two episodes are going to be for episodes 82 and 83? Yeah, so we are talking about the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, Before this, I have never watched it, so I'm coming at it from like a fresh set of eyes. Brandon has been watching it, so he's coming at it from like a veteran standpoint. Um, The first episode is going to be one through three. The second is going to be four through six. Uh, So if you want to follow along, definitely watch them. If you're like me and haven't seen them, I recommend them because I'm having a fun time. So yeah. Mission Impossible. Let's get into it. Tom yeah. Cruise. Apparently, we are huge <laughs> fans of Tom Cruise. Who knew? Uh, I uh, Tom Cruise movies. I don't know if it's about Tom Cruise himself. <laughs> it's true. I really um, wish he wasn't as problematic in real life. Like, truly. Right? 
Well, that's why, and that's something we'll talk about in the Mission Impossible episodes is this franchise is so fascinating to me. I'm not a super veteran of it. Um, Up until this assignment, I had seen most of them, but not all of them. A lot of them I had only seen once. You know, the original I hadn't seen since I was a kid. It came out in the 90s. So it's this weird franchise that a lot of people have kind of brought up that it feels like they've kind of forgotten about, you know, action movies are mainly Marvel movies, the latest Fast and the Furious movie. But like when it comes to action, I think people forgot that like, yeah, Tom Cruise has been doing this shit for like almost 30 years and six movies in. And the interesting thing we'll discover is how this franchise has evolved into many different directors, many different instances, many different things that have tried, some things that worked and succeeded and stayed, some things that failed. So yeah, we're going to do a deep dive. We're watching all six movies. So please watch along with us. They're all available to rent on Amazon, I believe, or if you have services that you rent movies from, uh, check them out there. I think they're worth the watch. And like just said, even the ones that aren't the best, they're fun. And I know we could all use fun things to watch right now. So watch them along with us and then see what we think about Mission Impossibles one through six. But uh, yeah, until next time guys, Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Give us your media recommendations so we can view or listen and let us know because we are super excited to check them out if you have something that you love that you haven't heard us talk about.